Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. Can you hear me okay at the back there? Yes. Can you hear? My sermon is entitled, Come to Your Senses. And as the second section is, Lord, open my eyes. That is where we're going. And I believe that we need to come to our senses and just realize that God is busy doing something. Um, in 2 Kings, the Lord speaks uh, through Elisha. And um, they are under attack. And who sometimes feels like they're under attack in these days? Eh? That there's something happening and just whatever you do, it seems to not be working the way it should be. Yeah. Whatever you're taking isn't working. And it was the king of Aram who took in 6 from verse 8 was at war with Israel. And I want you to realize that you are at war. You are positioned by Christ to take territory for Christ in every aspect of your life. And we are at war and we are under attack. After conferring with his officers, he said, I'll set up my camp in such and such a place. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel. Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going to be down there. So what it was happening here, the king was always plotting against the Israelites, but God was always revealing the plot to the prophet and saying to the king of Israel, don't go there because there's an attack waiting there or send reinforcements there because there's an attack there. And it doesn't matter what the king of Assyria planned against Israel, his plan was always thwarted because of the prophetic voice that he was listening to. So do we need a prophetic voice in our day-to-day life? Do we need a prophetic voice as parents? So that whatever our children plot, we know what they plot. <laughs> Alright? So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. And time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. So we must understand that we must be on our guard. When we start forgetting the prophetic voice, we're going to get caught in the wrong place. We're going to get caught not ready for the attack. We're going to get caught out by the devil. But we need a prophetic and apostolic voice in our life that allows us to understand where we are in danger. Satan is out there to destroy you and he'll use whatever he can to destroy you. One of them is your own heart's condition. Come on. Is your own heart's condition will attack you. Your own situation will attack you. Even people close by will come against you. But when you have that prophetic voice that tells you where the attack is coming from, you can actually say, but this is actually a small issue. I must understand what is the issue behind it. Amen. So this enraged the king of Aram, and he summoned all of his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. And they said, none of us, my Lord. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel, the very word you speak in your bedroom. Somebody plots against you. And they said, 
Hey, Mandy. Hey, Mandy. Oh, this week we're going to wipe that one out. We're going to cause trouble for that one. And you sort of like have a prophetic video of exactly what's happening in your opposition's bedroom. In their most secret place. In the place where nobody else knows. God gives that prophetic revelation. It applies to business. It applies to family. It applies to marriage. It applies to children. It applies to church. Everything we need to understand that we have to see prophetically into the thing that is coming against Amen. us. If you know that sickness is going to come against you, and you can have that prophetic warning, get ready for that kind of fight. I remember last year, mom had a word, uh, the year before, 2019, late in 2019, that there's coming an attack, but God has already said you'll come through it. When the attack came, she was ready for it, and she was in ICU, but she could fight because God had given the word. And this is exactly every part of our life. We need to be conscious prophetically about what is happening. So then the king says, well, go and find out where he is so I can send men to capture him. And the report came back. He's in Doha. Then they sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. And they went by night and surrounded it. Now night talks to me about dark forces, talks to me about evil yeah. intent, talks to me about when you're resting, there's an attack being plotted against you. When you're not expecting it, something is happening. And surrounded means that sometimes the things that come against us comes in every aspect. It's not just in one area that you're fighting, you're fighting here and you're fighting there, and while you're trying to fight there, there's something happening behind you. Yeah. Who has ever experienced that kind of pressure? Yes. Yeah. And he cried out. The, um, they went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. They have come in power and they have surrounded you. And I believe that there's many that are feeling like that at the moment. That are saying, I just don't know where to turn because everywhere I turn, there's pressure. And the servant says, Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? Prayer sounds like that. God, what should I do next? I don't know how to change the situation. I don't know what to do under this attack. I don't have the answer for this which is coming against me. And this is the word of the prophet Do not be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So I want to tell you that those who are with you are more than those that are against you. Amen. I've had a real revelation in business lately that there is sometimes people that are out there specifically to destroy what you do. They set themselves up to not only improve themselves. I believe in business everybody must try and improve themselves. But when God starts to bless you, there are people that sit up and say, I want to stop this functioning of God. I want to stop this thing that is happening. And it's been very real for us. And it's been quite ugly. We had the police involved, the death penalty, ugly stuff. And I got the revelation of this scripture when it got to that. So do not be afraid. Those who are for you are more than those who are against you. Amen. 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 Amen.
There's a strong word God at the moment to break out of poverty. And Satan is like attacking that thing and saying to people, I'll keep you in debt, I'll keep you working, I'll keep you running after something, and you'll never see the breakthrough. But understand that God says there's more for you than what there is against you. So don't ever look at your situation and think that you are stuck in your situation. Because God says there are more for you than what there is against you. And then Elisha says to him, and this is what my prayer is for each of us. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Yes. Can you pray that? Lord, open my eyes so that I can see in the spirit realm and not in the natural realm. Because the picture in the natural isn't always pretty. The picture in the natural seems like there's no way out. It seems like it's surrounded. It seems like there's many horses and chariots against you. Lord, open his eyes. And my prayer is for each one of us. Those that have been with Frontline for a long time. Those that have invested here. Those that have put their lives on the hold to see Frontline go. And I see how they begin to lose hope. I see how they're beginning to say, but I'm not seeing it. I'm asking God to open their eyes. Open their eyes, Lord. Do some fresh revelation of where you are taking Frontline, including mine including Pastor Mandy's, mm, including yes. the senior leadership, including how we look at everybody around us. Yeah. Yes. So God, let us see what you have implanted there, not where they are today. Yes. We need to look at that spiritual life. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses, horses and chariots of fire, all around Elijah. Come on, come on. So when you look in the natural, you just see no hope. You just see trouble. You just see struggles. You just see loneliness. You just see your kids in trouble. You see no victory. Children sometimes it might feel like school is surrounding you. How am I ever going to get through this thing? But understand that God put something inside of you beyond what you can imagine, beyond what you've seen. And the moment you can see what God has got for you, and you don't get stuck anymore looking at what is against you, because focus will shift how you see it. You can look at everything that is negative, and I can make a long list of troubles. Just one moment that you see through the spirit. Just one moment where you can look at it from a different place. And let it get very interesting because I think we all know this story up to here. And we all think, oh, well, there's nothing new. I know this. But I'm still hoping that it's getting in and making me fresh again. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, 
struck the army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. And I stopped at this scripture. And God said to me, you have got to pray against those that are coming against you. Yeah. Not coming against just business people that are trying to just improve their business, but those that are out there to destroy you, you need to ask God to blind them. You need to ask God to be able to take away the authority they have to come against you. Because they have no authority. And suddenly those very chariots that were scary, now suddenly they're blind. They're not scary anymore. This is a place where God is saying, I'm going to change your situation by changing your view, by changing your prayer, by you understanding your authority in Christ. You're going to be able to apply this which Elisha did in this place. Okay. So the first part of my sermon is, Lord, open our eyes. Lord, allow us to see spiritually what you want to deal with in our life. Where do you want to take us? What do you want to change? Where do we need to change? Where others are coming against us unrighteously. We need to ask God to stop. Lord, don't allow it to happen anymore. I've had to stay in the spirit those that are speaking against Frontline. Lord, make them blind to what's happening. Make them blind to what's happening here. Yeah. So that they cannot speak. If they don't know what's happening, they can't yes. speak. Yes. Because they have no clue where God is going. They can't address it in the wrong way. Does it make sense? Yeah. I want to go back to one of my favorite parables of Jesus in Luke 15. The parable of the lost son. There was a man who had two sons. You all know the story so well. The one said to his father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them and he went away. And not long afterwards, the younger son got all together, all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Operates from a position of a son. Let's talk about God here. He was a child of God because he was in the house. It's not talking about a stranger that doesn't know the father. It's talking about a son in the house. Talking about somebody who served Christ. And he said, no, 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 look, this is not for me. I want to go be wild and have friends and ride my Ferrari and whatever <laughs> else picture you can have of this wild man. And he went, he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. And you see from being in the father's house to wild living to being in need is a process that he went through. Alright? So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. So from being the loved son in the house, now suddenly he's a servant in somebody else's house. And he sent him to feed the pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. So he went into dire need from sitting at the table. From being, having all of his needs to being in need. And then verse 17, and this is part of the name of the sermon. 
when he came to his senses, sure. he realized, I cannot stay in this place of need. I have a father that loves me. I have a home. I have a place of provision. There is a place of freedom. He came to his senses that this place that he has allowed himself to get into isn't where he belongs. He's not a servant. He had to have a mindset change to come and realize that there's something in my father's house. And I've often read this story about the father waiting and the prayer being answered. And it's sort of like beautiful for me that part. But in this week I just saw a different portion of how God allowed him to come to his senses. And then when we are in trouble, we've got to say, God, is there a place where I need to come to my senses? Is there a place where I need to just change my thinking? Is there a place where I need you to open my eyes? Because that's what happened to him. He suddenly saw that he's in need, but he doesn't need to be in need because he has a father. He has a daddy that loves him. And he's sitting here suffering and going through hell, but he doesn't need to. All he needs to do is go home. All he needs to do is make some changes and allow God to think differently, change his thinking. So we know now that he goes home and in verse 21 or verse 20, the father sees him from far away and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. So the son has moved from a place of need to having come to his senses and now he's going home to his father. And I believe that's where many frontliners are. We have come home to daddy God. But we still have this attitude in verse 21. But the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Sure. Now, although he has come out of the pigsty to his father's house, he still thinks he's a servant. Yeah. Yeah. He's in the father's house. He's in heaven. He's with Jesus, if we put it in this picture. He's in the kingdom of God, but he's saying, I'm not worthy to be a son. So there's a second mindset change needed. The first mindset is needing, I need to go to Jesus. The second mindset is when I come to Jesus, I've got to understand that I'm a son. I've got to understand that I'm not anymore the one looking after the pitch. So people are living in the Father's house with a big style mentality. They cannot make the change. Verse 22. Hear this. But the Father. Yes. Said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. All the stuff on the outside sometimes changes. But if we don't have a mindset change, we'll wear all the stuff with a servant attitude. Frontline, I want you to have a son attitude about the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about son attitude in church. I'm talking about a son attitude in the kingdom of God. It's not for me. Oh, woe is me. I don't deserve it. I'm not good enough. You are sitting in 
the feast table. And you're thinking about the pods that the pigs are. Instead of understanding that you have the place of honor, you are God's chosen. You are God's yes. love. You yes. are yes. the one that He's given His life for. Amen. You are the one that He ran up to and grabbed you and said, Welcome home. Come on. Come on. He didn't say, Well, okay, if you served me for 20 years, then maybe I'll forgive you. He wouldn't say, Well, you better first show fruit of your repentance. Mm. Hey, what did the church do? Welcome home. He has the clothes of a son, not the clothes of a servant. Church, we need to understand that we are not in the fixed eye anymore. We need to understand that we are in the house of God. And God has chosen each one of us to appropriate everything He's given for us. But the Father, when we come with a certain attitude, God says, I'm not hearing. I don't want to hear anything about you saying you're not worthy. I don't want you to use any excuse about your training or your actions or your addictions or anything else. I'm saying, come a son. Yes. You're back in the house. Be a son. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. Understand that God celebrates over you. Yes. He's not in a place where you have to beg and plead and please God, give me what. Lord, please leave me a loaf of bread. I don't know, Lord, I don't have the right to ask for a loaf of bread, but please, Lord, just enough for today. Servant bread. The son sits down and feasts with his dad. Yes, Lord Jesus. The son sits down and doesn't go in and beg if he can open the fridge. Opens the fridge and has what he wants because it's his dad's. Now I want to see Frontline move that shift. Make that come to our senses. Lord, open our eyes so that we can understand the shift. So we can understand sonship, not only in the church, but sonship of God. You cannot understand sonship in the church if you don't understand sonship of God. And we, for the last while, preached sonship in the church, and I'll keep on preaching it. First, get your heart right with God. First, understand your position with God. Then it's easy to understand your position in church. Then it's easy to figure out how do I got all my issues and all of my failures and all of the things that makes me not worthy. Just like the public of I'm the number one public of I'm not worthy to stand up Anybody can figure this out. But my sonship of Jesus Christ says to me, I can't say. That's right. My sonship says to me, it erases all the rights and wrongs. Amen. Have you seen a parent of a very rebellious child? <laughs> they forgive him anything. 
Thy love sometimes the rebellious one more yes. than the good one. But it happens that a mom of a naughty child does not keep a list of the naughty. <laughs> they have a plan to see how is it going to get past. Yes. What is God going to do? They see through all the light and see the heart. Yes, definitely. That's what God does with you. He sees right past what everybody else gets stuck on. And he looks into your heart and says, I'm going and I created that heart. I created how it beats. I created what makes it I created everything that And I know when it got hurt. And I know when life fashioned it into a certain way. Because of that, I passed all of that. God is the ultimate making excuses for behavior. <coughs> Because he doesn't look on the outside, he looks on the inside. Yeah. He finds that thing that makes you tick. And so, before we carry on, and I want to carry on into another realm, I want us to just take a moment and say, do I need to come to my senses? <laughs> do I need a fresh revelation of how much God loves me? <laughs> somebody else, not the church, not the lost out there, but has situations made me doubt my sonship? Has situations made me look at the dark mountain with all the chariots standing against it saying, I'll never break free from this situation? Has Satan convinced you that there's nobody for you and that you're standing alone in the world? Because <coughs> that's what that servant felt when he stepped out of the tent in the morning. And it's just him and the prophet. And the whole mountain yeah. is full of oats on horses. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine that they had a uh, fire, a fuckle, a torch with them. Mm. And they like, walk out the tent and there's just light all around. Mm. And he realizes every light is somewhere sitting on the horse ready to come off There's no escape. There's no plan B. There's no exit from this thing. Satan loves scaring us by allowing us to do one eye. We're only seeing the natural. And then our mistakes, like the prodigal son, allows us to come to that place that even though we sit at the table with the Father, we're still thinking we're still thinking that we have to be we're still thinking well maybe God will give us the scraps of the day maybe when God looked after everybody else's needs you will worry about my need God says man you're a son Amen. you're the favorite son Come on. maybe because you've been naughty you are the favorite son <laughs> maybe because you've messed up God has compassion for you. And God's saying, Church, change how you think. Yes. Yeah. In the old, old song that says, Count your blessings. 
but today's church, <coughs> hear them list their challenges. I just hear them list their problems. And I also do, and I also keep you busy for a long time on my challenges, the issues we face, and sitting at a police station in the middle of the night and making cases because people are threatening your life. Don't you dare. Don't you dare make that the focus. Because you're a son, and I've already sorted this out. I've already made a plan I was a while ago in Dr. Fish's church and he ministered on the head of fire and it so struck me that I tried to stage where we are focusing on worship. We are trying to get a worshiping church. I'm not talking about the stage. I'm talking about our heart of worship for the church. We're trying to create an environment where we become a worshiping church. So I'd just like to quickly touch on Hezekiah because it fits in with this whole process where things change and people come out of a situation of suffering when they can get their worship right. So um, in 2 Chronicles 31, um, the Israelites were under attack by the Assyrians and they were so forced and so that they were all in poverty. They all had nothing left. They were, every year the Syrians came and they had to give them something of the, from there to pay taxes to the Assyrians to the place where they were pushed into poverty because of the taxes that they paid. So Hezekiah becomes king and in 2 Chronicles 31 it says he smashed all the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. He started saying, guys, we cannot worship idols. We cannot be in a place where we've got one foot with God and one foot in the world. He smashed everything. They destroyed the high places and the altars throughout Judah and Benjamin and in Ephraim and Manasseh. After they had destroyed all of them, the Israelites returned to their own towns and to their own property. God wants to return you to your own place your home place, your own situation. But there has to first come a process. So Hezekiah assigned the priests and the priests and Levites to division. Each of them according to their duties as priests or Levites to offer burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to minister, to give thanks and to sing praises at the gates of the Lord's dwelling. Although they were in poverty, they didn't have food to eat. They were under threat. He didn't focus by going to attack the enemy. He said, let's get our hearts right. Let's re-establish worship in the inner sanctuary. Let's get rid of everything that doesn't belong here. And the king contributed from his own positions for the morning and evening bird offerings. So he led by example. And at all the appointed festivals as written in the law of the Lord. And he ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and leave out so that they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, oil, and honey, on all that the fields produced. And they brought a great amount, a tithe of everything, 
and it just goes on talking about how much they brought and they piled them in heaps in verse 6. Imagine the offering is so big that it actually makes heaps on the offering. And they began doing this in the third month and finished in the seventh month. So for four months, the people were just bringing and bringing and bringing. And when Hezekiah and his officials came and saw the heaps, they praised the Lord and blessed the people of Israel. And Hezekiah asked the priest to write about these heaps. And the chief priest answered, Since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and to spare. Problem is, the church is so focused on having enough. We aren't thinking of having to spare. We're just stuck on our own needs. We're just stuck on having enough for ourselves. But God is always a God of more than enough. God is always a God of leftover. God is always a God of, I want to meet your needs so that you can meet somebody else's needs. God is never only focused on your needs. And as a church, we have to move into that realm. There was a great amount left over. Hezekiah gave orders to prepare storerooms in the temple of the Lord. And this was done. And they faithfully brought the contributions, tithes, and dedicated gifts. And the whole country shifted. As they get their, got their heart of worship right, they had a mindset shift. And to jump to the end here, um, the end of verse 31. This is what Hezekiah, chapter 31, this is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah, doing what was good and right and faithful before the Lord. In everything that he undertook in the service of God's temple and in obedience to the Lord commandments, he sought his God and worked wholeheartedly. And then this last few couple of four words. And so he prospered. If we as frontline can get our hearts right, if we can get our worship right, if we can get our offerings right, we will see continual prosper in everything we do. They were able to throw off the yoke of the Assyrians. Yes, come on, that's good. Not by going out and fighting a war, but by destroying the idols in the house. Sure. By setting worship into I want to come back to be a worshiping church. Yes. Not only on stage, not only there. I'm looking for a heart of worship in the people. Yes. So that we have a shift in atmosphere in our homes. Yes. We've taken the limitless sign down. Not because we've stopped believing in limitless. But we've realized that we have to focus a little bit To our senses. Yes, amen. And allowing God to open our eyes, then the things that we are striving for will follow. Sure. The things that we believe will follow. So don't think for a second by taking it down, we are saying it's not going to happen. We're saying that we don't need to focus on it. We don't need to teach about it anymore. 
Because if you don't yet understand that God is a limitless God and God can do beyond what you can imagine, then why did they have that sign up there for more than two years? Why did you sail in three years that we have said limitless God? God that can do way beyond what you can. But it's not focusing on that. We focus on the heart. We focus on worship. A heart of worship will lead to a life of success. You see, the Israelites came out of Egypt as slaves. They came free from Egypt and they went into the wilderness for 40 years and everybody that came out of Egypt died in those 40 years. And only those that were born in the 40 years went into the new because you couldn't take the slave mentality into the promised land. Church is trying to take the servant or slave mentality into the kingdom of God. That's right. I'm not the right race. I don't have the right education. Uh, Whatever other reason you can think of. Because he has done more than enough for you. He has prepared the feast for you. For you. Not for the church as a whole, but for each one of us. Sonship of Christ must change who we are. Must change how we walk. Must change our mouth, what we say. As much as what I pray for God to open our eyes, I'm praying that God will open our ears that we would hear what's coming out of our mouth. Yes. If we hear how we speak death over ourselves every single day, speak death over our church, speak death over our businesses and things. But if we can start saying, God, let us hear what is coming out of our mouth. Let us start speaking like the sun. Yeah. You know what? In their own house, the sun is a little bit arrogant. If your friends are there, I remember as a child, my dad had bought a new Chev V8, quite a long car. And my friends would come. My dad would work. I start the car and I rev it and the whole body does this when that big V8 turns and all the friends go, wow, your dad's got a fantastic car. And that's what a son does. He brags with what his dad done. He shows other people as if it's his. He shows his dad stuff as if it's his. As if I did anything to buy that car. Okay? Yeah. If my dad went to work with his work bucky and he left that car there for me, that's how I... Okay. Okay. God created the heavens and the earth. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but I want Frontline to be excited about the things of God yes. the way that the little boy is excited about his dad's Now, come and look what's here. Come and see how this works. Come and experience the blessing of my dad. He doesn't walk around and saying, well, I can't touch anything, and um, God's there, but he oversteps the boundaries when his friends are there. Who knows that that's what a little boy does? He goes and he shows it as if it's his own. 
as if he can actually allow to take the car out to go and drive around with it <laughs> when he's just 11 or 12 years old. You know, treat it like that. Because it's his dad's. It is something that he feels it's owned by him. Because it's his father. And so I want you to understand that the kingdom of God and the keys to the kingdom is given to you. Mm. I want to ask you as you are sitting, ask God to show you the biggest lie here about your position in Christ. Lord Jesus, we need to come to our senses as a church. We need to come to our senses as individuals. But we can only do it if we realize that we are acting like servants. <clears throat> when we realize we don't stand up and take ownership of that which you've promised us. Father, I'm asking you to thank our church and reveal to us more and more our sonship, our joint heirs with Christ, our, that this is our home and we don't need to come and come with a servant energy. Even the prodigal son that messed up, the dad didn't hold up anything against him. It's just said, welcome home. Get dressed with the best. Walk in as if you've never messed up. Lord, I pray that that will become so true in our church. And it will permeate through everything. And everybody would see they are sons of God. They are sons of the Most High. Their place in heaven is booked. Their first class ticket is paid for. And nobody here belongs in the cheap Because you've paid the food. You've given all of us access to everything that you have. Lord, as life happens and things happen around us, I ask you, Lord God, that we can keep that mindset and the vision of the prophet and not the one of the servant. We would be able to see that there are more for us than what there is against us. We would be able to see the victory in the midst of the challenges. Because we understand who you are and how you are towards us. And that any plan that the enemy has for us is already nullified. It is already wiped out before it's even executed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank this group. And you give us fresh courage as you renew our minds, as you refresh our visions. As you allow us to just come fresh into our senses. Thank you, Lord God, for our heart of sonship, for our heart of worship, to rise up from this place anew and afresh. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Our services are streamed live on our Facebook page every Sunday morning at 9.30. For more information and resources, please go to our website www.frontlinecitychurch.co.za or look us up on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube.